الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون صدق الله العظيم most respected on my kiram brothers and elders allah taala's boundless grace and mercy is upon us at every moment in our life and it is this limitless ni'mat of allah taala his grace his mercy his rahmat Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with this deen of Islam. This perfect way of life is something which no matter how much we can make shukar for, one can never sufficiently make shukar for even one fraction of this ni'mat. And Allah Ta'ala sent all the Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam to teach the same deen. The details of it deferred from shariat to shariat but finally came rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he granted us this most perfect way of life inna ad-deena indallahi al-islam that the only religion deen deen is a complete way of life the only way of life acceptable to allah taala is this way of life of islam and there have been many many occasions in the life of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he was asked and in that very very short question in reply to that very com- concise question nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam summarized this whole islam for the person this was also a mujiza of his and an miracle of his that on numerous occasions somebody asked a question a very short very concise question and the answer to that is just as concise and far more concise in fact because the whole of deen gets summarized this whole deen islam in one line in one or two lines nabi sallam summarizes it for you in one narration it is reported hazrat abu ayub ansari radhiyallahu ta'ala an was that fortunate sahabi who had been the host of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam when nabi sallam made hijrat to madina munawwara and as Abu Yubayn Sari radiallahu ta'ala an was that fortunate person who had this great blessing and bounty that he was the host of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he is reporting this hadith sharif and he says that on one occasion one bedouin a bedouin these bedouins were somebody generally who were very very simple people they weren't people who were very sophisticated as we may call it people who had any kind of uh trims and from frills about them very very simple straightforward what came in their heart they asked and said but at the same time this is the point in here that a person who is a bedouin and the bedouins generally didn't have the opportunity to get educated to learn a lot but despite the fact that this person was as we would term uneducated 
he was illiterate. He was a person who was from a, just living in the desert somewhere. But what manner of thinking, that is the lesson. That what a clear mind, and how simply and very, very clearly he puts forward such a deep question. He comes to Rasulullah being a Bedouin, obviously he's got his Bedouin ways. So the narration, Hazrat Abu narrates, he says he came, فَأَخَذَ بِخِطَامِ نَاقَةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم is riding at that moment, he's on a camel. This person comes and he takes hold of the reins of the camel in order to stop it right there. Now this is not something that is part of etiquette. That you just grab hold of somebody's camel reins and hold him back. But there were many things which the Bedouins would do and the Bishlaasim would overlook it. If the same thing somebody else did, it may not have been overlooked. But the Bedouin came and he did the same thing, it would be overlooked. The Sahaba say that we used to be sometimes very afraid to ask certain things. Afraid because it must not be that we ask something that should not be really asked about. We may ask if he had forbidden us that he was the host of Rasulullah He is reporting this Hadith Sharif. And he says that on one occasion, one Bedouin, a Bedouin, these Bedouins were somebody generally, who were very, very simple people, they weren't people who were very sophisticated as we may call it, people who had any kind of uh, trims and frum, frills about them, very, very simple, straightforward, what came in their heart, they asked and said, but at the same time, this is the point in here, that a person who is a Bedouin, and the Bedouins generally didn't have the opportunity to get educated, to learn a lot. But despite the fact that this person was, as we would term, uneducated, he was illiterate. He was a person who was from a, just living in the desert somewhere. But what manner of thinking... That is the lesson. That what a clear mind. And how simply and very, very clearly he puts forward such a deep question. He comes to Rasulullah Being a Bedouin, obviously he's got his Bedouin ways. So the narration, Hazrat Abu narrates, he says he came. فَأَخَذَ بِخِطَامِ نَاقَةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ Nabi Islam is riding at that moment, he's on a camel. This person comes and he takes hold of the reins of the camel in order to stop it right there. Now this is not something that is part of etiquette. That you just grab hold of somebody's camel reins and hold him back. But there were many things which the Bedouins would do and the Bishlaasim would overlook it. If the same thing somebody else did, it may not have been overlooked. But the Bedouin came and he did the same thing, it would be overlooked. The Sahaba say that we used to be sometimes very afraid to ask certain things. That he was the host of Rasulullah He is reporting this Hadith Sharif. And he says that on one occasion, one Bedouin, a Bedouin, these Bedouins were somebody generally, who were very, very simple people, they weren't, 
people who were very sophisticated as we may call it, people who had any kind of uh, trims and frills about them, very very simple, straightforward, what came in their heart, they asked and said. But at the same time, this is the point in here, that a person who is a Bedouin, and the Bedouins generally didn't have the opportunity to get educated, to learn a lot. But despite the fact that this person was, as we would term, uneducated, he was illiterate. He was a person who was from a, just living in the desert somewhere. But what manner of thinking, that is the lesson. That what a clear mind, and how simply and very, very clearly he puts forward such a deep question. He comes to Rasulullah being a Bedouin, obviously he's got his Bedouin ways. So the narration, narrates, he says he came, فَأَخَذَ بِخِطَامِ نَاقَةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم. Nabi Islam is riding at that moment, he's on a camel. This person comes and he takes hold of the reins of the camel in order to stop it right there. Now this is not something that is part of etiquette. That you just grab hold of somebody's camel reins and hold him back. But there were many things which the Bedouins would do and the Bishlaasim would overlook it. If the same thing somebody else did, it may not have been overlooked. But the Bedouin came and he did the same thing, it would be overlooked. The Sahaba say that we used to be sometimes very afraid to ask him that he was the host of Rasulullah He is reporting this Hadith Sharif. That he was the host of Rasulullah He is reporting this Hadith Sharif. And he says, think, and then think what is right. Not think how I can get, score my points. Often that's how we think about. That somebody did something, somebody said something, so how can I score my points? Rather than thinking about how I can score my points, how can I address the situation in the best way? Addressing the situation in the best way would sometimes perhaps require just keeping quiet. That might be the best way sometimes. As it is said, the answer to a fool is silence. So that silence at that time, because if we just so convinced that this person is a fool by what he said, then if you're so convinced about it, then keep quiet. Because the answer to a fool is silence. And then the other part of it is true, that sometimes that might just be our perception. That what this person said was foolish. In reality, it wasn't the case. So therefore, if we keep quiet, what is if he was a fool and we kept quiet, then the answer to a fool is silence. We did the right thing. And if it's supposing it was only our perception, then by keeping quiet, we did ourselves a favor. Because then we concealed our own foolishness. By speaking, we would have exposed ourselves as fools. So very often, that is the best answer. To just keep quiet. That will address the situation. And sometimes it requires doing something about it, sorting the matter out. But then the person stops to think, what is the right thing to do now? Now this was such an emotional situation. The masjid, the house of Allah Ta'ala, it is being desecrated in this manner. It is being soiled in this way. Najasat is coming in the masjid. And what emotions run? And at that moment some people started going in his direction in those emotions. Nabi Sassam taught them how to handle a situation. So many things used to be excused from the 
Bedouins, but they were taught thereafter. And this is, this is what they appreciated. One person came and started speaking in Salah. He didn't know it's not permissible to speak in Salah. Others started staring at him, giving him stiff looks. But he says, I just ignored that. Afterwards, Rasulullah called me. And then he, in a very, very polite way, in a very loving manner, he addressed me and said to me that, uh, this is, Inna hadi salah la tasluhu fiha shay'um min kalamin nas. This is the salah that we perform for Allah Ta'ala. No conversations with people can happen now in salah. Salah is, Inna ma hiya tasbih wa takbir wa tilawatul Qur'an. Salah is for these things, for the tasbih of Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, takbir, for the recitation of Qur'an Sharif. The salah, this is what is confined to. Any conversations with people, this is no more permissible in salah. And the thing he highlights there, that I haven't seen a teacher like, like Rasulullah That he called me with such politeness, in such an affectionate manner he taught me, and in such a nice way he addressed me. These are the things sometimes we want to say the things, but how we say it, how we say it is a very, very crucial thing. So in any case, this Bedouin comes and he holds on to the reins of the camel. And he asked Nabi Islam a question. The question he asked him is, that, أَخْبِرْنِي بِمَا يُقَرِّبُنِي إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ وَيُبَعِدُنِي عَنِ النَّارِ That tell me, inform me, what will take me closer to Jannat and what will distance me away from Jahannam. Now to us is a very simple straightforward question. Just a question. But Rasulullah very deeply appreciated this question. Very greatly appreciated this question. And he appreciated it in a way that first, that camel was still in motion, Nabi Sallallahu stopped it right there. This person had already taken hold of the reins. فَكَفَّنْ Nabiu Sallallahu Alaihi He stopped. He stopped and then he started looking around at the Sahaba. Looking at them to see, did they also take the effect of the question? And then Nabi Islam looks at this person, this Bedouin, and he says, what did you say? He made him repeat the question. And in some riwayat and narrations it is mentioned, that Nabi Islam, when he first stopped and looked at the Sahaba, he even asked them, that, have you heard anybody asking such a question? So Nabi Islam heard the question, not that he didn't hear it. He made him repeat it so that everybody will take the benefit of hearing the question again. That if a person is asking something, this is something to be asked about. This is worth asking. Then he made him repeat the question. So this question is outwardly just one line. Tell me what will take me closer to Jannat and distance me from Jahannam. But what he asked, it included everything that a person should ever aspire for. Because the one who has been distanced from the fire of Jahannam and entered into Jannat, Allah Ta'ala says, he has passed, he is successful. Everything else will be by the wayside. So this was a very, very comprehensive question. And the comprehensive question, now what can be the answer to this? Meaning a very comprehensive answer. Otherwise the answer will take, not days, it will take months, years. Because you can explain to him everything. But Allah Ta'ala's that blessing on Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he was made Jawami'ul Kalim. 
he also gave it in a very, very concise format. And all the things that we need to latch on to, Nabi Islam gave it all in this one line. Rasulullah addressed him and said to him, Ta'budullah, wa la tushriku bihi shay'a, wa tuqeemu salah, wa tu'ti zakah, wa tasilu rahim That he asked something of such a deep nature, the answer finished off in one line we can say. And this, if a person latches on to this, then he is latched on to everything. The first thing Rasulullah said to him, Ta'budullah, that you worship Allah Ta'ala. Worship Allah alone. Every ibadat is only for Allah Ta'ala. And our entire life, قُلْ إِنَّ salati wa nusuki wa mahyaya wa mamati lillahi rabbil alameen. Our salah, our sacrifice, our very living and dying, lillahi rabbil alameen. For Allah Ta'ala alone. Now, ta'budullah, wala tushriku bihi shay'a. This sums up tawheed, because this is the, everything rests on the foundation of tawheed. If tawheed is in its place, a person's belief in the oneness of Allah Ta'ala is firm, it's strong, it's clear, there is no adulteration in it, then everything else will start falling into place. To the extent that this is weak, there will be problems everywhere. This is the most important foundation, foundation of tawheed. Complete surrender to Allah Ta'ala alone. Total belief in Allah Ta'ala being our nourisher and sustainer. To the extent that this Iman in Tawheed is strong, a person will not commit haram in terms of his livelihood, for example. Because he is completely surrendered. Allah alone is my sustainer. Nobody but Allah grants me risk. So when this is his complete belief, this Tawheed is really deep down in his heart. Why would he then resort to any kind of haram transaction? Why would he cheat then? Why would he engage himself in any fraudulent transaction? In any kind of deception with the customer, for example? Or trying to do the supplier down in some way? Or whatever it might be. Because his complete faith is in Allah Ta'ala alone. My provider is Allah alone. All these things are means. I could adopt the means because Allah Ta'ala's command. The provider is Allah alone. So when this is his firm belief and his, in the depths of his heart is his tawheed, then he totally, very, very easily just bypasses all these temptations. Because these things are all from shaitan. Allah alone is his narration and sustainer. Why should he worry about these things? So in any case, the ta'budullah wa la tushriku bihi shay'a, it encompasses his tawheed, and then ta'budullah encompasses all the aspects of deen in any case. Because ibadat, ibadat is a complete way of life, everything in a person's life is ibadat, apart from his salah, his fasting, his zakat, his hajj, then how he conducts his day-to-day life, everything of a mu'min from morning till evening, from evening till morning, he is supposed to midvacate ibadat. By doing it with the right intentions, by doing it in a way that he earns the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, to the extent that the Sahaba, once Nabi Islam said to them, that, that in everything that a person does, any good that he does, he will get rewarded with sadaqah. And then Nabi Islam highlighted 
how far this goes. Says Wafi Budi Ahadikum Sadaqatun. That a person who is fulfilling his human need in marriage, in that too he gets the reward of sadaqah. The Sahaba were astounded that this is a person fulfilling his own desire. And he'll get rewarded with sadaqah. Nabi Islam asked them a question that if he did this in a haram way, would he not be punished for this? Would he not be sinful? He said, yes, he'll be sinful. He said, well then if he confined himself to halal, he'll get the reward of sadaqah. So a mu'min from morning till evening and evening till morning, he'll, his whole life is supposed to be ibadat. He's supposed to be making his eating ibadat. He's sleeping ibadat. By making the right intentions in it. By doing it in the way that Rasulullah taught how to do it. So his whole life is ibadat. So ta'budullah wa la tushriku bihi shay'a. Then ibadat already encompassed everything. But then Nabi Islam gives some highlights of ibadat. Certain things which cannot be compromised for anything. And among the greatest things in a mu'min's life, after iman, the most important obligation of deen, Nabi Islam highlights that, tuqimus salah. Ta'abudullah, wa la tushriku bi shay'a, wa tuqimus salah. And you establish salah in your life. You establish salah, the kind of salah we perform, unfortunately, it is of such a weak nature, that if we just get forgiven from the obligation of salah, that too would be a great mercy from Allah Ta'ala. And Allah Ta'ala's mercy just looks for those, op- for those excuses. That too is something ghanimad. Allah Ta'ala gives us a tawfiq, we come into his house, we stand in his court, we perform the salah. That too is something to be, made, to be grateful for. This is Allah Ta'ala's, the excuses Allah Ta'ala gives his bandas to forgive them. Just on this note about what is Allah Ta'ala's Rahmat? There's one little couplet in Urdu. Rahmat-e-Haq Bahanami Joyad. Rahmat-e-Haq Bahanami Joyad. Farsi actually. That Rahmat-e-Haq, the Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala, it doesn't wait for some very big thing to happen. Then it will come. Rahmat-e-Haq Bahanami Joyad. With the smallest excuse. There's one incident mentioned in the Hadith Sharif. In Abu Dawud Sharif, one Sahabi by the name of Amir radiallahu ta'ala an, he one day comes, Nabi Islam is sitting in the masjid or somewhere outside and he comes along, he's got that sheet around him, the corner of the sheet is on top of his hand. So he's got his hand, he's holding something apparently and the corner of the sheet is on top of it. So then as he comes, he comes close to Rasulullah and then he lifts up that corner of that sheet. And then he explains, he sees that I was coming past, as I was passing this, some trees, I heard the sound of chirping. So I went and looked in there, there was a nest. And the nest was this small little nestlings in there, barely, just probably hatched, couldn't even fly yet. So I took them in my hand and I covered them with the shawl of mine. And I was walking. And as I was walking along, the mother of these little nestlings started hovering above me. So when I saw this, I uncovered that, those nestlings in my hand. I removed the chawl. So when I removed the chawl, that mother came and she landed right in my hand. So I put the chawl back. Now what this meant is, that those nestlings couldn't fly. 
they were still just hatched. Their wings were not yet formed. And this mother was sure, she knows what's a human, that if she gets too close to a human, she can get trapped. She might get captured. But out of love for her young, she put herself into capture. She gave herself to be captured. Just so that she could be together with that young, out of that compassion that Allah Ta'ala has put in that heart of that bird for its young. So in other words, it gave itself into capture just to be with its young. And I brought this together. The Beast said to him, put it down. In other words, finally release it. Put it back where it was. But then he addressed the Sahaba Ikram and said to them, that, وَالَّذِي بَعَثَنِي بِالْحَقِّ That I take a qasam, that that being who sent me with the truth, take a qasam in the name of Allah Ta'ala. لَاللَّهُ أَرْحَمُ بِعِبَادِهِ مِنْ أُمِّ الْأَفْرَاخِ بِفِرَاخِهَا Allah Ta'ala has greater mercy upon his servants than the mercy that this mother has over his young. That this mother gave herself into, so to say, into captivity, just in order to be with that young. Doesn't matter what happens to it, it, long, it can give some comfort to that ch- children of it. Allah Ta'ala's mercy, Allah Ta'ala put that mercy into this little bird in any case. In one hadith sharif it is mentioned, this is again just for the sake of an explanation that insan may understand. Otherwise Allah Ta'ala's mercy is unlimited. That out of the hundred portions of the mercy of Allah Ta'ala, this is again just for our understanding. One portion of that mercy was descended on earth. That one portion of mercy that was descended on earth, as a result, let alone humans, even animals have mercy for their young. And this is distributed across the whole creation. That one portion, one percent. Other ninety-nine percent Allah Ta'ala will display for His servants on the day of Qiyamah. So in any case, Allah Ta'ala's rahmat is this limitless rahmat. But, while we are wishing for this rahmat, there is a system in dunya. Allah Ta'ala has got a system in dunya. The system in dunya is in, so, other things we understand, fire burns, water cools. So likewise, we have to do something. We have to turn to Allah Ta'ala in sincerity, fulfill the obligation that Allah Ta'ala has put upon us, that salah wa tuqimu salah, Ensure our salah is performed five times a day with jama'ah in the masjid unless there is some valid shari'i reason. Shari'i valid reason. Otherwise, this is something that we will be accountable for. There's great emphasis upon performing salah in the masjid. The hadith sharif, Rasulullah Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu he addressed the sahaba and he said to them that لَوْ صَلَّيْتُمْ فِي بُيُوتِكُمْ وَتَرَكْتُمْ مَسَادِدَكُمْ تَرَكْتُمْ سُنَّةَ نَبِيِّكُمْ That if you start performing your salah at home and you leave the masjid, then you are actually leaving the way of your Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَلَوْ تَرَكْتُمْ سُنَّةَ نَبِيِّكُمْ لَضَلَّلْتُمْ And if you leave the way of your Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you'll go astray. Many times, a person starts shirking first in his salah with jama'ah. But, he says, well, I'm performing it at home. I'm making all my salah, appeasing himself. But that becomes the start of a slide. That becomes the start of sliding downwards. So first it was salah with jama'ah, but then that takes along with it so many things. 
and there's no such thing like a vacuum. Something goes, something else comes in its place. So when Salah with Jama'ah stopped, there will be other things, negative things that will take its place. Negative things will start coming in. That phone which a person had full control on, suddenly that phone is now like fire in his hand. He just can't control it. People actually write, they say, after whatever prescriptions are given to me, I still believe, I believe, I believe I can't do without the phone. Tell me whatever else you want to tell me, how to try and overcome this addiction of mine, whatever. But I can't do without it. The phone I'll have to have. I'll have to have that fire burning in my pocket. Just tell me how I mustn't get burnt. That fire I can't do without. That is something like has become like a person needs oxygen, he's got a oxygen tank to breathe, and now you know take snatch that tank away. Take that oxygen mask away from him. He says, I'll die. This is how deep these addictions become. So in any case, where it starts off from when the good starts decreasing, that Salah with Jama'ah went, or that Tasbihat stopped, or the Tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif decreased, there won't be a vacuum, something will take its place. When the positive stops, the negative will come in its place. Therefore we have to keep the positive alive, very alive. And that punctuality on that Salah with Jama'ah, on that Ma'mulat, Tasbihat, Zikr, Tilawat, on the gatherings of deen, being punctually attending the gatherings of deen, all this is extremely important for us to be able to stay safe from the attacks of shaitan and keep on the track that we want to get straight to Allah Tabaraka wa ta'ala. So, Nabi Islam says to him, Tuqimu salah wa tu'ti zakah and you discharge your zakat. Discharge your zakat, this is something we have discussed on many occasions previously, the importance of zakat and making sure that it is correctly calculated so that there isn't any short payment. Correctly calculated, but in the process there's some little extra payment, alhamdulillah. If a person wants to give something as a sadqa, whatever excess will be, will become sadqa, mashallah. But to make sure that there wasn't any short payment. And then that too is not yet complete, till it is not discharged to those who are the true recipients of it, who are eligible to receive it. Then it is discharged. And that is the responsibility of the person who is going to be giving his zakat. That he has to ensure it went to the right place. So either he is doing it himself, or he is doing it via such people that he has full confidence in. That it will get to the right place. And then Nabi Islam says to him, وَتَسِّلُ rahim." On the one hand, there are these ibadat that are being mentioned which everybody understands to be very, very essential, fundamental, the pillars of deen. Ta'abudullah wa la tushriku that's the very foundation of deen. That's the very iman, and staying safe from shirk. And then salah and zakah in the whole Qur'an Sharif, more than 500 times the command of salah and zakah. And then Nabi Islam in this very concise hadith sharif, where this person wants to know, tell me how can I get close to Jannat? And far away from Jahannam. In this particular Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam adds one more thing for him. And again, this shows how concise this whole message is. Says to him, Rahim. And you maintain family ties. Maintain family ties. Now, again, many a times, certain things, 
the manner in which life carries on, certain things are taken as, well, by the way, anybody performs his salah, we all understand, mashallah, it's a very great ibadat. Alhamdulillah, obviously, it's one of the greatest ibadats. Or the greatest ibadat after iman. And the person who's giving his zakat, we understand what a great ibadat it is. Somebody is making nafil salah to we understand. Somebody is reciting Quran Sharif, we understand it's ibadat. Somebody is reciting tasbih, we understand it's ibadat. He's giving sadaqah, we understand it's ibadat. But somebody is taking the effort, making the effort to maintain family ties, you might even find somebody discouraging him. That undeserving people, you want to be good to them. And people who keep treating you in this negative way, you want to be good to them. So somebody who is trying to make this ibadat, you will find people actually discouraging it. Because that concept also is out of the mind. That this is an ibadat. And what a great ibadat. That on this occasion, when this person is asking for this very, very concise advice, there isn't any time for details that he can take. He's got a very short time to take something and go on. And then in the Hadith Sharif, it's further mentioned, when Falamma Adbara, when he turned around and left, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam addressed the Sahaba Kiram and said to them, In tamassaka bima ubinabihi dakhal al-jannah. If this person holds on to what he has been advised, he'll go to Jannat. If he holds on to what he has just told now, then that is his entry to Jannat. So that what he was told included this very important advice. وَتَسِلُوا rahim And maintain family ties. That if somebody else is breaking those ties, you maintain it. You don't worry about what somebody else is doing. Worry about what you have to do. One person, he was advising somebody, advising him, advising him, and that person wasn't taking any heed. So he stopped advising him. And then he mentioned it to somebody. That how many times I told this person, advised him, but he takes no heed. So I stopped. So he said, well, he was doing something wrong which you were advising him to stop. He didn't stop doing the wrong. Why did you stop doing the right? What he was doing was wrong. What you was doing was a very great good. He didn't stop doing the evil. Why you, dist- why you stopped the good? You carry on advising him. Your job is to advise. His job is to take the lesson, to take heed of the advice. If he is not doing what he is supposed to do, why you are stopping what you are supposed to do? You carry on. So likewise, if somebody else is breaking family ties, why should you stop doing what you are supposed to do? Hadith Shaykh al-Hadith Ma'azakariya sahab rahmatullah incident we mentioned many times where there was some issue like happened sometimes in families and he would come once in a while to his family to his hometown and he would go from door to door to visit everybody and many were just shutting the door in his face because he now person is either on this side or that side he can't be both sides he cannot be on both end, both camps now so now the family is split in two so he's either on this end of the family or that end so now he happened to be obviously on this end by birth. So now because he is on this end by birth, so now that disqualifies him from any kind of acceptance on the other half. Unfortunately that is how we just take things and go along with it. That's our manner of dealing with situations. So it's obviously completely wrong way of de- dealing with things. So in any case people are opening the door, they see him, they shut the door. Now they didn't see him for so many months. He comes once a year, twice a year. So one family member from his side of the family was with him and he's observing this. Then the second year, 
Oh, one year later he came back. Again he's doing the rounds. And again the same people are shutting the door in his face. So the same family person was with him the second time too. So he finally couldn't take it. And he says, Oh, Sheikh Ramatullah don't you have any shame? These people did this to you last year, you came again for the same treatment. They shut the, the door in your face last year, you still got no shame. You came back now to come and get the door slammed in your face again. He said, they doing what they want to do, I will carry on doing what I have to do. My responsibility is to, to do the rounds and to come and visit whoever it is. Make salam with them, inquire about their well-being. Now, if they shut the door in my face, well, I'll carry on then. So I have done my duty. If they don't do their duty, that's their responsibility. But what was the end result of this? He says the same people who were shutting the door in his face, in a short while became his closest people. They became like his humble murids in front of him. But the lesson in this, to do what we are supposed to do. What we are supposed to do, Tasilur Rahim. The virtues of Sila Rahmi, which we have discussed on many, many occasions, that the person who Nabi Salaam says wants barkat in his life, barkat in his wealth, fal yasil rahima. Join family ties. Barkat, we all want barkat. But how barkat comes? Barkat comes from where Nabi Salaam said. One person invited one very senior buzrug had come from overseas, so he invited him to his business. Schedule was very tight, etc. But he insisted, please, must come. So in any case, he went for a short while, one minute. Now this Buzruk just entered there. He saw a whole lot of things that were not in order. Big, big uh, pictures of animate objects hung up all over the place and whatnot. So he asked him, why you brought me here? So he says, no, I'll get some barakat. He says, you bring everybody, the whole world's awliya also. But if you keep breaking the commands of Allah Ta'ala in your business, no barakat will come. But if you bring the sunnah in your business... If nobody else comes also, but you bring the sunnah of Rasulullah in your business, you bring the commands of Allah Ta'ala in your business, then you'll brought the source of barakat. Then all the barakat is there with you already. The barakat will come from where Allah Ta'ala has placed it. Then together with that, mashallah, somebody who is a person of barakat, who Allah Ta'ala has blessed, inshallah barakat will come via that source as well. But primarily it is these things. That if the commands of Allah Ta'ala are being broken, if the way of Nabi Islam is being trampled, then nothing else is going to bring any barakat. So, likewise, barakat is in this sila rahmi. Barakat has been placed in this maintaining of family ties. And this is what takes a person way ahead in dunya also, and makes great things for him in the akhirat as well. So this is a very, very concise hadith sharif, in which all the great things, great lessons have been encompassed, and in this one hadith, as we said, the last line, Nabi Islam said, In tamassaka bima umira bihi al jannah. That is the same lesson for us. That is the parting line for us as well. That in tamassaka bima umira bihi al jannah. If we hold on to this, what we have been told in the hadith sharif, we too will go to jannah, inshallah. Allah wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'awana alhamdulillahi rabbil alam.